0: And welcome to the Tucson Climate Chats podcast. This October 12th recording, our ninth overall, comes to you from occupied indigenous lands in the north central neighborhood of Avondale. As always, I am your host, Nick Spinelli, an AmeriCorps VISTA member working on behalf of Arizona Serve, Prescott College, and Changemaker High School to demonstrate how national service can address both climate and poverty in the urban core of the Sonoran Desert. Our guest today is Jordan Sini, a current student and program assistant for Project Cities at Arizona State University. Jordan, welcome on board.
1: Hi, everybody. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah, we are going to have a wide ranging conversation about sustainability today, something that Jordan is very familiar with. And just to start us off, let's ask the question, Jordan, why is sustainability so challenging?
1: Well, I think that's the question all college students in sustainability or anything related are asking <laughs> right now. Um, but so it's my third year in sustainability, and I'm always wondering, what did I get myself into? <laughs> um, it's so it's complicated because sustainability it's uh, interdisciplinary science, so we're focusing on major. Challenging impacts, I mean, <laughs> challenging sectors like the environment, which we know is kind of falling apart right now, the economy, which is also most of the time falling apart, oh. <laughs> and society, which is complicated in more ways than one, especially with societal norms and the way we view the environment or how we um, react to the ways the economy is flowing and all things like that. Um, So the reason why it's so hard is because it's such a broad topic and there's multiple disciplines that go into answering um, sustainability challenges and making solutions for
0: them. Right. So knowing that there's all these different things that go into it, let's actually back up for a moment. When did you first start to unpack all that? and realize how complex this is and everything that goes into it.
1: I was introduced to sustainability back in 2018, right when I graduated high school, actually. And I was a youth intern for Borderlands Earthcare Youth, or what we call Bessie, in Nogales, which was one one of the first or the first Nogales cohorts. And in high school, I was never really interested in the environment, never did ad class. And since it's a small border town, we don't really care about um, recycling or composting or any of the green, quote unquote, initiatives that most people would um, know about in other areas, especially more affluent areas. Um, so I was going to go to college to be a secondary education English teacher. and that summer I needed to make some cash so I can uh, help pay for my tuition for school and that was the first time that I was ever introduced to, to concepts like stewardship permaculture um, the first time I ever thought about where does my water come from where does my where does my food come from and who's actually harvesting all of these things or what laws are behind like who controls all this stuff right and one of the, um, these girls, um, her name was Grace. She was uh, in sustainable um, built environments at um, the University of Arizona and um, meeting with Caleb Weaver also, kind of like he was sort of a mentor and for him to be teaching us all about this stuff that I never really knew that I would consider hippie before, I guess. <laughs> Super interesting to me because um, I was never introduced to that before. And then college came around and I had to decide like what, a lot of college kids don't really know what what career they want to pursue. Like who's going to know at 18 years old or even younger, if you like skip the grade, of what do you want to do with the rest of your life? And so since sustainability, like I said, is so transdisciplinary and you can do a lot of things with that and there's a lot of components that go into these systems that we talk about. Um, Yeah, so I switched my major and I've been doing it ever since. Um, so can you review the question that we have before
0: no you answered it really well actually I asked basically how you came to realize that sustainability was this transdisciplinary interdisciplinary you know very complex thing
1: so a little bit of background like the research that Bessie was doing um, I really like Bessie because they have this component of getting youth, and working um, in partnership with um, local ranches and things like that. And I was building erosion control structures. Um, and being out there um, pulling invasive species like weeds and things like that. And learning about um, these different farmers and what kind of regenerative techniques they have to take care of their land and their cattle. Super, super interesting stuff. I totally recommend if you're listening out there. Um, and you're
0: in that range of like 18 to 20-some to do a Bessie internship or work for them sometime. Right, and uh, Bessie connected to Borderlands Restoration Network. Um, Jordan, you mentioned Caleb Weaver. I've had the pleasure of interviewing him for the Tucson Climate Project. Kurt Vaughn is their executive director. Um, another amazing person doing great work. So really just a phenomenal group of people working down there in the Borderlands something you said to me the first time that we spoke um, was that your definition, your personal definition of sustainability is holistic. And you've talked a lot about having holistic conversations about sustainability. Uh, Tell listeners a little bit more about what you mean when you use that word.
1: So that's also a really great I mean, like buzzword, um, if you're going to study about sustainability, because we talk about a holistic system. We talk about these different components being in balance and that how we can't just focus on one part of the system, but all parts of the system and how they're interacting with each other. Um, We talk a lot about thresholds and how um, changing, say for example, one part of the environment is gonna uh, make or break the economy, um, especially with different kinds of mining practices international trade and things like that. And another example could be like, how do people view wildlife, quote unquote, nature, um, pristine nature or not, and how they interact with um, their environment, say, how they use their water. Um, It it changes a whole lifestyle, like how do you buy your food, how do you interact with um, your garden or if you even want to make a garden things like that so all these different components that's why we're talking about the whole um, and the holistic system and the reason I think it's so important to have like I kind of make that my model on my project that I'm working on is holistic conversations about sustainability because I think the only way people are gonna engage with sustainability is if we talk about it and bring different researchers students and Ranchers, um, indigenous folk, um, people in BIPOC communities that are interested in sustainability, and talking about what's important to them and how they want to thrive in their communities and what have like a needs assessment. Do you like need clean water? Do you need affordable housing? Do you these kinds of aspects and bring them in like to the table you know, to have this conversation in that that makes it a holistic conversation, having all these voices um, impact sustainability in, in their own way.
0: Right, I, uh, I'm looking at one of the questions we actually brainstormed right before this interview, you know, how is sustainability related to asking the question, what do you need in a community? And so tell me a little bit about the communities here in Southern Arizona that you've worked with, even just a little bit, and what are some of the things that you've discovered uh, that folks could need or benefit from um, along the lines of sustainability in your work?
1: For me, that's a complicated one. Um, I think one of the greatest necessities is just openness. Mm. And talk to one, one another. Um, because there's been times when I try to talk about sustainability or climate change, um, and there's just a very heavy political climate or just a lot of red tape around those kinds of issues and people could easily get offended or since it's not really taught in, well, at least for me, it wasn't taught in primary or secondary education. So I didn't really know any of that stuff. That's my second point, that it should be more involved in the education system. Um, Quality education is one of the um, SDGs or sustainable development goals. And I think that's one of the most important, Um, just to kind of like spread the word. And how do you expect someone to live a more sustainable lifestyle if it was never taught to them or they don't know what ways they can participate? So I think that's really valuable.
0: Right, if you never even hear that word until your, I don't know, in your second or third year of college, like I was, and I'm probably being a little harsh. I'm sure it was mentioned to me somewhere in high school. I just wasn't listening, sorry. Um, But for the most part, is there probably a gap in science education, especially as it relates to sustainable practice in this country? Yeah, probably. Um, so thinking about teaching to sustainability to young people, um, you know, I know you're moving away from your studies and education and more towards, um, sustainability, environmental science, that sort of thing in school, thinking about teaching sustainability to young people, how would you, how would you approach that? Or how do you think we could start to approach that?
1: That's one of my favorite topics because I really enjoy the applied learning model. Um, The way I was involved with Bessie actually going on the ranch, um, working with animals or working with um, the built environment there um, with the certain people that were involved, say like different organizations, whether that be uh, project managers or with um, the Arizona Department of Environmental Quality was there as well to teach us how to um, take um, sediment capture measurements and what is it called, like some GIS also to like locate, um, to pinpoint on maps, like where the erosion control, control structures were so they could take measurements and data later on, like years later so the ranchers can know if they're working, if they're effective or not. Like that to me, that was amazing. And that's probably um, one of the best learning experiences yet that I've had so far, because that makes you memorize it. You know the material because you're doing it hands-on And I know a lot of my friends, when they were in high school, they liked ag as well because they were working with animals, with plants, and they were learning how to do things for themselves, you know, and that's skills that you you can use um, for other aspects in your life, um, in your personal life or in your community, like community gardens or things like that. And this approach to learning the applied research model, I've um, had more experience with it as a project assistant with um, ASU Project Cities um, because we have we so the whole point of the organization is to connect um, municipal governments like local governments like Peoria, Glendale, Tempe with um, student courses so they can have um, applied learning projects and they can research whatever it is the community needs say for example placemaking initiatives or if they want to Um, make their recycling um, facility better. Um, These students do all of the, what's it called? Literature review, um, surveys themselves with the community. Um, they They gather all the statistics, they analyze it, and then they can make recommendations to the city on what they think would be the next steps or the best practices that the city should take. So that model in itself, that's like, okay, I'm paying tuition, right? So I can learn something, right? And with this tuition, I have different resources like connections with um, cities, um, stakeholders, with materials that I need to gather um, data and whatever else, research aids that I need. And then it's a value add because I'm giving back to the community that I live in or am near so that they can use it for years to come. Um, Some other reports that I've done are like sustainability plan based, like researching um, different sustainability plans nationwide or in Arizona, seeing what has worked for other states and then recommending based on those findings, what would be best used here in Arizona, whether that be drought management, agriculture, recycling, those kinds of topics.
0: Right. As someone coming into the Southern Arizona community from the outside, I think Tucson definitely has a reputation for being a more green and sustainable city. But I'm curious uh, what that looks like for you on the flip side, someone that grew up in this area. You said you were looking at other cities, you know, sustainability plans, other resources. Um you know, what's something interesting that you found out there or something that surprised you or something that turned out to be a really good idea that you were able to bring back here um, to Southern Arizona?
1: Um, Well, actually, I grew up in Rio Rico, Arizona, which is an hour away from Tucson. And it's like a whole world of a difference, I'd say. Um, Just because I would say Tucson's better funded and it's next to like the university and things like that. But from doing... Um, report writing and stuff like that from other courses for the work that I'm doing. I'd say that it really depends on the culture. Like if there's a sustainability culture in the area, how much work they can get done. Um, If we see places like Oregon or other, um, they have like different um, landscape too and weather and it's easier for them to implement projects that have to do with like parks and recreation, because they actually have water or. (laughs) Yep. Like aspects like that. And in Arizona, it's super different because we're trying to conserve water. We're trying to um, fix our watersheds. We're trying to preserve the water that we do have and use it wisely. Or I would hope that's what the plans are, are for, you know, for drought management and mitigation of drought emergencies. So it really depends on what the city or area values the most. And then that's when they start to make a priority list. Like what's our priority to have greenery, forestry, parks and recreation, or to conserve water and good soil. That's what we could actually have agriculture. So we can actually have Arizona because no one would live here if we didn't have those things available.
0: Right. 100%. And again, thank you for the reminder that Rio Rico is actually an hour south of here. In my mind, I picture southern Arizona as being fairly close together, but you're right, it's huge. (laughs) So thanks for your patience. Um, Yeah, so thinking about, you know, you said sort of like prioritizing needs, obviously, water is one of them here. uh, And I'm speaking broadly. You know, you've mentioned uh, agriculture a few times, which, you know, you need water for. What are some other items on that checklist? Are there other items on that checklist or are those the big two?
1: Um, On a city level, I think that is because municipalities really do want to make money. Like they're gonna conserve water and conserve agriculture and things like that so they can make profit off of it. But something like in my, Checklist in my head. I would say necessity for sustainable education, and um, more of a culture uh, of it too, because we don't really. Well, I can't speak for everybody, for but for myself, like I don't know about um, indigenous uh, preservation techniques of food, and I don't, I don't really do a really good job of recycling or managing my water resources as much as i should if i'm studying it so much like Um, but i think because it lacks in um, like communication strategies i don't think it's there from the cities like the cities are not not forcing but not encouraging to recycle more or please conserve your water and they don't really give out those kinds of statistics it's kind of like hidden along with, like, um, especially like urban cores like Tempe or Phoenix and things like that. Like, what? how is the urban heat island effect, like, messing the temperatures up here? How is it affecting um, water quality, soil quality, um, and things like that? So I think the communication strategy, strategies are off as well to encourage people. They're not encouraged at all
0: right? Totally. Um, You know, the work that you're doing with Project Cities, do you feel like any of those findings are eventually making it to the public? Or do you think that there could be maybe a better linkage there between what the program is discovering? And then I guess what people, you know, living in the city, uh, living out in some of the smaller communities around here, uh, actually know about what's going on?
1: I think it makes it to the public when the solutions are actually implemented. So say for example, project that we did with Peoria, we're working on better management, um, fixing like the route schedule, making it more um, sustainable or say for example. um, Glendale wants to transition some of their fleet, like they wanna make um, electric vehicles. Hmm. And I think people only care, you know, when it goes on the news and stuff like that. And we always know that, well, in, in my opinion, um, great like strides like that, that are good for the community, that are helpful to the environment, things like that, they're not really broadcasted on the news. Um, and I think Project Cities, well speaking as a point of there, like could communicate better and things like that, but it's like, we're short staffed, you know, like we can't do everything <laughs> and- right. And that comes along, that's again with the problem of sustainability and education. There's not enough funding for it for more people to be involved or for more marketing to be out into the public or to go talk to people about it one on one as a representative of the program. It's very limited, like, we can't, not all students can be a part of it, like, not all projects are accepted because we can only fund, fund a bunch of them.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, how many how many of you are there on your team? I'm just curious.
1: Um, on Project Cities, three, and then our main coordinator is one, like our big boss. Wow, wow!
0: And y'all get a lot done, uh, at least from my standpoint. But you say that, and like, wow, that's not it's not a lot of people, and yet you're making stuff happen.
1: Yeah, my project manager. Needs- He's <laughs> great but crazy because we took on like nine plus more reports projects to do and that's like just this semester. Wow. Um, I think it's nine to 12. I can't remember what the top of my head, but and then we're going to have to do more like, hope to get one more. Yeah. like
0: Right. And is each, uh, just to clarify, is each report a different city, a different community? Wow. So, so yeah, go lately, ahead.
1: Lately, we've been working with Peoria um, um, and Clarkdale, the town of Clarkdale, which is north of here, like closer to Sedona. Um, they're doing like business revitalization because Clarkdale is super small, but they want more tourist attractions and protections of the environment and things like that. But to have more business available, so the town can grow and the ones that i I barely started it's like i haven't even been working there a year but i have a lot of experience already um we have worked with glendale and tempe again i can't remember off the top of my head but a few few cities
0: yeah um right and based on what i little based on what i understand about them which is not a lot it sounds like a pretty diverse list um You know, let's, I think it was, uh, was it Clarksdale,
1: you said? The town of Clarksdale. Yeah,
0: yeah. You mentioned business revitalization. Typically, you know, when a lot of people I know think sustainability, they think of the environment and they don't necessarily think of, you know, the economy or more human things, I guess, being connected to that. Tell me a little bit about the relationship between business revitalization sustainability, what does that look like?
1: So I feel like a lot of people in my major or just in general kind of really don't appreciate the fact that in part of the system there is policies, politics, government and economy as well as as much as there is environment factors of it Um, and it's important because everything has an effect on each other. Like I said, again, about holistic systems and the reason it's important to have business is because you need money for the mission. That's what I always say in my head. Like businesses will drive people to go to Clarkdale to experience nature and then their money also funds preservation um, because they're also doing uh, preservation, a project with preserving a historic bridge, which it helps with the transportation as well because it's only a one-lane bridge and they want to make it bigger, but also renew it so it's actually safe to travel on. So all these different kinds of aspects affect each other.
0: Did I answer your question? Yeah, totally. Um, you know thinking about all the other uh, all the other cities that you're currently working with, are there any other highlights do you think would be worth sharing? Um, cool stuff that people are doing or thinking about that you've been working with through uh, Project Cities.
1: Um, One that I really enjoy like learning more about and reading student work is the sustainability plan. They're trying to update um, Peoria's plan to do um, a 3.0 version of it. And it's really focusing on transit, um, sustainable business, recycling, like a circular economy, not even recycling, but using waste as a form part of the economy as well. Hmm. Um, Yeah, I'm not gonna give too many spoilers because I I urge people to go onto our website and to read because all of our reports are posted there um, if anyone is ever interested. And also we are looking to expand as well. Um, So later on, people are interested and in they find and navigate to our website where we what is it called a request for an RFP request for proposal um, so people can submit their what they want to do in the communities or city leaders that want I would say the expertise quote unquote of students if they want that kind of um, involvement from people in their community as well.
0: Cool. I'll uh, I'll make sure to put a link to the website uh, in the description for the episode when it goes live this Friday. So again, going back to like this central theme of sustainability being holistic, transdisciplinary, involving all these different things, I wanna pivot and ask you about something else. Um, This is something that you and I briefly touched on in our first conversation, sustainability in art what is sustainability's relationship with art and vice versa? What are your thoughts?
1: Okay. Well, 1st um like to set the context a little bit. Um, what Nick and I were talking about before um, this episode was just about kind of the project I'm doing personally and then the project I'm helping another student with. Um, mine is uh, like a podcast, like a video podcast where I introduce about the projects that they are doing. Um, so video is a form of art. And then the other one that I'm helping a PhD, uh, PhD student with, it's her fourth year, and we're doing a podcast on regenerative food, or what we, what we would call like the slow food culture of knowing where your food comes from, and kind of like appreciating it more, like knowing the agriculture side of it, like the people that preserve it, different kinds of te- techniques that people use to Their food in arid landscapes because it's really hard to do so without lots of water. And she's doing it more of a podcast version. Um, So, this topic of art, um, I would say a lot of people agree that art moves people. And a big part of sustainability is changing people's perspective on how they value the environment, how they value other people, and then also how they value the economy and how those three. Interact with each other um, in a holistic system. So, when I think about art, saying like most people, because we could talk about like different kinds of art, like food, food culture is also like a really big thing that um, people pay attention to. Um, music, art, like by hand, whether that be drawing, painting, or, um, or the art of communication. Um, Through voice, and I think it's more relatable when you can listen to someone else's story or what they're doing with their own lives through that technique, whether that be video, voice, or whatever, and learn about sustainability that way. And it's we're so technologically advanced, or I would hope we are, that. it like spreads easier and people connect on a different level, even though I'm from the different side of the world, you know? Right. So I think it's more of a relatable and connecting that art does for sustainability.
0: Yeah. Well said. I want to follow that thread because I feel like we're onto something good here, you know, talking about other people's perceptions of sustainability and I want to be really clear going in that, like, I am not speaking for anyone else. However, if I do put my foot in my mouth at some point, well, sorry, y'all. Just call me out on it. So let's start with uh, an interaction that I had with a friend years ago. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. I can't even remember what show we were talking about, but it was something on a streaming platform like Netflix or Hulu, and it was pretty progressive in the sense that it talked... Um, about issues like uh, climate change and sustainability. And they said, yeah, 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 like I'm all for those things, but like, I I don't want that in my art. I don't want that in my shows. I don't want that in my music. Like that's my escape. And yeah, what are your thoughts on that? How can sustainability, uh, how can we incorporate it into those types of artistic mediums, uh, maybe without making people feel like it's the real world Intruding on their lives.
1: Well, that question is a little bit complicated, as well as how the whole system of sustainability is complicated. Um, and my take on that or perspective is, like, I understand your friend with these different aspects kind of being being thrown, I would say, in the media or just change to fit a certain narrative like say for example greenwashing like businesses saying like oh we're sustainable when a little bit of research and you figure out that they're not or um, friends and family not really believing in climate change or saying posting these facts and people getting offended Um, but I do think and like I do realize that sustainability is involved in every aspect of our life Um, I keep mentioning again and over again that it's a holistic system, and each thing is going to impact the other, um, whether, whether we want it to or not, and we have to understand that we're also in the system, so for sure we're going to encounter it at some point or realize that we're encountering it, um, and I just hope it isn't. For me, it's like take it with a grain of salt, but also understand it's important and not get mad at it or angry at it, but just say to myself like how can i how can i react to it in a way where i'm helping like proactively engaging in the situation instead of making a big really bad deal about it <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah totally do you um you know let's let's linger on that for just a moment when we think about talking about sustainability to other people you know you said right like for some folks um that can be a uh, that could be a difficult conversation, you know, especially you initiating it or bringing something up, not knowing how the other person is going to respond. Um, You know, aside from just emphasizing the holistic nature of it, what have you found to be uh, an effective way to talk about sustainability that maybe calls people in rather than calling them out? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Well, for me, like in, like in my personal experiences that I've had with people, like before this conversation, I told you, like, like I'm gonna tell you straight up that I really don't know much, or I don't really feel like I know enough to talk about um, intersectional environmentalism, or environmental racism, or those kinds of aspects of climate justice that I just haven't studied enough, or I haven't, I'm privileged enough to not have experienced those kinds of things right um but in having a conversation it's important to also listen and that's the part that lacks most of the time we see with like youth trying to explain themselves and say like why it's important for them that climate change could be suppressed a little then they're told that that they can't do anything about it that's just how the world is and that is not the correct, I would say, like a really bad way, like be provocative towards the situation. <laughs> with, me, with my friends and things like that, um, that come from different cultures, different backgrounds, that they, political views, um, reasons why they're in sustainability, like all I can really do is listen to what they have to say and respectfully, you know, it's a sustainability discourse. Like, it's, you know, like, okay, I'm gonna listen, like, really listen, not think about like my argument towards you, mm. but what you have to say about it, and see how both of us can um, give to the solution. That makes sense.
0: makes a ton of sense. Listening beyond hearing, as one Dr. Brené Brown has been quoted as saying more than once. Uh, I've struggled with that most of my life and you find out really quickly when you're podcasting that it's really hard to dwell on your answer when you miss everything that your guest says and then you're like oh I don't know what you just said and that didn't happen in this interview but like it's happened to me in the past and it's like wow like what a humbling experience when you realize you're not you know, you're so busy thinking about the point that you want to make, you're not hearing the other person and what they're saying.
1: And it for sure takes a lot of practice. And I feel like a lot of people also have to be patient because everyone's on a different kind of learning curve, um, especially depending on where they grew up or what, um, like if they experienced certain things that make it hard for them to want to actually talk to people about the things that they've experienced. So. Um, yeah for sure it takes a lot of practice and I also struggle with it a lot and I know a lot of college kids struggle with it because every time they try to explain something or give some stats on climate change or things like that they're just kind of told oh well that's that's stupid (laughs) like um no that's what I'm studying and I think it's like important to talk to people about it but you just got to keep trying to have holistic conversation right Part of it is listening.
0: <laughs> I uh, I was like the Lorax when I was a kid. I mean, you, you said that y'all are pulling stats in these conversations. That's amazing. I would literally just start yelling at people and be like, this is why this matters. And it's like, of course, no one was listening. <laughs> like, so I actually want to pull out a quote from our first conversation because I feel like we're right kind of in that area now. You know, we talked about why only certain people can speak about sustainability and, you know, one of the things that you've been told before is, quote, you don't know how the real world works, unquote. You know, when someone says that to a young person, you know, how can we put some value back into the youth perspective?
1: Yeah. Um. Well, I'm super inspired by, like, younger kids, like teenagers that are not even in college yet and how... They're super passionate and motivated, um, and I'm sure their their parents may be more supportive than what well, mine were. <laughs> but um, a lot of I keep calling them kids, but they're like adults. A lot of the peers in my class um, say that they've had that experience where someone, probably their parents or like one of their mentors, is telling them like, "Well, you can't fix that, or that's not how the world works." And, I always got like, oh, you can't save the world, so stop trying to try to save a part of it. It's like, well, what's the point? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and uh, and the reason I told you that about not, I was saying like everyone can have a conversation about sustainability because everyone has experienced it in one way or the other. Like, if you breathe air, if you drink water, and if you have some relationship with the environment, which we all do. And if you participate in the economy and talk to other people like in social whatever um then you're a part of sustainability so i feel like anyone can talk about it um and my point was like even if you don't have enough experience which i always feel like i don't um i'm here talking with you today to learn something um i joined bessie to learn something and i talked to professors or researchers like that to learn something like getting that value add, like, okay, I'm going to learn this. I'm going to apply it. And then I'm going to tell other people what I learned. So it's like a circular thing that's happening in the system, I guess, I would say. Um, But yeah, kids need more motivation. Because if we're going to try to solve all of these really hard problems and then everyone's politicians or government or parents are saying, like, that doesn't really matter. End, then they're not going to want to do it anymore. Um, but professors, researchers, mentors, need to, like, motivate, especially when they're coming from um, primary and secondary education. And we see a lot of, like, lost motivation weren't really encouraged to um, go learn more, to go travel, to experience more and then add value to other people's lives, which I think is the whole thing
0: right? Everything you just said, brilliant. I mean, that's why I wanted to have you on the show, right? Like, yes, yeah, ostensibly to support your work. But like, on a deeper level, like, yeah, of course, I feel like I have so much to learn from you. And I'm, I don't think I'm that old. I'm 26. I guess I'm getting up there. Um, or at least you know, 14 year old Nick would have looked at 26 year old Nick and been like, wow, you really are old now. But, you know, I'm incredibly inspired by what people younger than myself are doing in regards to this work. And so I made it a priority in mind to say, okay, like I have to find a way to collaborate with them and support them because I didn't have those people when I was your age. I didn't have those people when I was in high school or middle school. No one was there saying, like, take my hand. You know, I'm going to I'm going to do whatever I can to support you in this. And so that's pretty inspiring.
1: So right there, what you said, I have a lot of, a lot to learn from you, even though you say that you're older, that's the approach that I think it's really important to take. Like, I have a lot of, to learn from you and you have a lot to learn from me and let's put our heads together and come up with a solution for this kind of things. And that's with even people that you don't agree with and people that come from super different backgrounds than you, um, I think that's the most important first step, you know, into having those holistic conversations.
0: Right. hundred percent. So, you know, going back to your cohort at ASU for a moment, just cause we're talking about like how you feel about this, how I feel about this, you know, I'm not asking you to speak for the other students that you go to school with, but like generally speaking, how do you think people in your cohort feel? Are they hopeful? Are they not so hopeful? You know what? What is your sense of being in the room, learning with all these other people, how they feel about what it is they're studying?
1: Um, I think we're pretty bipolar.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't. I shouldn't laugh at that. But
1: yeah, I said it more of a joke, but yeah, it's kind of true. Uh, the reason I describe my cohort as bipolar is because we come in super optimistic. Um, Oh, I'm gonna do something positive for the world, and I'm gonna be part of the change. All these really good things that you have in your mind, I'd say. And then, and then we learn about government restrictions, about how people don't really care or don't really want to know, just how expensive implementing solutions these laws that have to get passed in order to conserve our water or to protect our environment, things like that. Um, And then we kind of get a little bit uh, discouraged. But I think it's kind of like an emotional roller coaster, especially around finals, because then we start to think, like, why am I really doing this? Or what do I really like? How do I want to incorporate this into my actual career? Or do I just want to go off the grid and study plants or something? (laughs) i have with myself mostly every day
0: (laughs) mostly every day
1: Um, like my friends they get super stressed out too and it's like oh i'm learning about energy technology and materials and how we don't solar panels or why we should or why we shouldn't or about climate change and economy like all of these super complicated stuff that we never really thought studying and you always, it's always harder than what you think it's gonna be right when you apply just based on the description of the the degree and then once you start doing these applied projects or writing a thesis or things like that, it's like oh it's a lot of work. A daunting task, but uh, what I always say is like high stress, high reward, I think like the more work you put in and the more Like if you're super passionate about it and you're actually giving back to your community, listening to other people and giving value, then it's all worth it, I think. And I I say that advice for if my friends are listening to this and (laughs) if if friends are, um, well, any college student really, if you're struggling, doesn't matter how old you are or where you are in your academic career, it's it's worth it, I'd say.
0: That's needed. I'm a student, you're a student. I would absolutely agree with that. I think, you know, there is definitely a perception, at least among some people I know, that, you know, going to college makes you smart or that you have to be smart to go to college. But I think that for me, college has been extraordinarily humbling because the further and further I go, the more and more I realize how little I actually know. Um, Yeah.
1: And that's another reason why I really encourage like applied research or projects or going out and doing it with local government or with uh, um, any kind of business near you and things like that, because the real world really is different. Like I really do not know anything about how the real world works or taxes or any of this stuff, but like if you go out and apply the learning and actually go do what you're studying, it's more more of an impact because then you could go back to school or go back to your class and then you have that perspective of like, okay, how does this business think about it? How do they make money or how do these people in my community think about it and why? Because it could answer a lot of why's for people.
0: Right? Thinking about whys, uh, you know you mentioned this a little bit the first time we talked. Let's dream big. With the understanding that it could change, where do you hope to take all of your work in the future? You know, what do you wanna do with everything you learn? Uh, Viewers can't see this, but I see you smiling on my screen right now. Yeah, it's a big question. What are your thoughts, Jordan?
1: I'm only laughing because I think it changes every day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, if it
0: makes you feel any, well, this will actually won't make you feel better. Um, It doesn't get any easier as you get older. Still changes every day for me too. Anyways, go ahead.
1: I don't really know, but as long as I'm helping people in like an actual way, like interacting with people face to face and working on whatever ecosystem or working with whatever community hands on, that's what I want to do. I can't stand thinking, oh, I'm gonna just be in an office and write these reports. Like I'm okay with doing research and reports and analytics and all that kind of stuff, but I really need to see the people and ask them, what is it that you really need and how can I help? And you could do that through business like sustainability consulting. You could do, I could be a forest ranger, I could be a engineer, I could, all these different kinds of cool opportunities and I plan not to just do one, but to take different kinds of skills that I have and incorporate them in different job environments. But for sure, I need to work hands on people. Cause I think that's my, my strength, communicating and educating teaching, and also being teached is what I'm good at. Yeah. I, I agree. Like, I don't even know how to talk, but being taught. I, mean, I, uh,
0: I, I think that most people don't give themselves nearly enough credit in their work. Um, yeah. as a mentor of mine reminds me all the time, you are enough and thank you for what you do. And so the same to you, Um, like I said, even just a little bit that I know about what you do, I'm just like, wow, like there is so much there for me to learn from. Um, So, you know, as we think about starting to wrap this up, um, you know, we're living through Pretty exceptional times, all things considered, and obviously the impact of things like the pandemic has been disproportionate, depending on who you talk to. But regardless, you know what fills your cup up, what keeps you going, what where do you find joy in your work, um, even when it is challenging and difficult sometimes.
1: I was actually talking to this like about this topic with my friend yesterday. He called me like saying. Oh man, I'm super stressed and I wish I could drop out and all this other stuff, right? Like super, super exaggerated, like I said, by the um, And then the advice I was giving him, which I really need to give to myself all the time, is like stop having it on this metric of a did I fail or did I pass kind of mentality, um, grades wise. And again, saying like, okay, what value did I give to a community? Did I learn something new? Did I meet somebody new? Did I network? Um, And that's, like, one of the biggest reasons I think I wanted to do the Sustain a Scene um, video podcast is because I want to learn from all these people and then highlight people's achievements to encourage other people to follow, like, the same footsteps, whatever they're interested in. Um, And what brings me motivation is just knowing that I'm trying my best and my mission is to help people. And I think I'm working towards that every day and it might suck some days and it might not other days, but every day I'm giving it my best, whether that be on a level like five out of 10 or 10 out of 10, I'm still trying. So um, other motivation is like people like you and then my professors and friends that I also see that they're doing amazing work and that they're also trying their best. And I see all these cool projects that are going out, um, cool um, com- community needs assessments. And then actually, not even just just talking about the project, but implementing it and people actually like having clean water, having erosion control structures, helping people in our community like ranchers or business people, or students, that's that's motivating to me because it's you can see that it's actually, there's light at the end of the tunnel that I could be doing the same thing.
0: Right. Well said. And, you know, just from my end of things like, yeah, some days easier than others, even acknowledging the enormous amount of privilege I have and working and going to school remotely. But a day like today when I can look on the calendar and I'm like, Hey, I get to talk to Jordan at three. Today's a good day. Um, any final thoughts for listeners, words of wisdom, a message that you would like to leave folks with?
1: Just open ears and keep having holistic conversations, whether that be about sustainability or about your culture or what you learn or what you think is important because everyone's opinion matter and action is also is louder than words. So put your thoughts into action.
0: Well said. Thank you, Jordan. That concludes today's chat about climate poverty and service here in Tucson, Arizona. You can find new episodes of the Tucson climate chats podcast on Fridays at anchor.fm forward slash Tucson dash climate dash chats, or on Spotify and most other major audio distributors like the show comments, questions, compliments, concerns, smart remarks, Feel free to email me, Nick, at nspinelli, S-P-I-N-E-L-L-I, at arizonaserve.org. And gratitude to each and every one of you for the opportunity to do this work, as well as support yours. Onwards.